Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 2019 Korean film Ashfall. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy! that we got for my birthday oh that is a beautiful balloon the yellow ones too i mean the, the oh that's good still all decorated for my birthday even though it was days ago because we we celebrate birthdays for a whole week in this house birthday week excellent do you guys do that no we don't but that's a really good idea doing birthday week sounds fantastic yours is coming up so you, you know you got no it is yeah. you've got time to prepare you got to plan a full week's a- worth of activities did did you have a good birthday and did you have a or oh, are are you having a good birthday week? Yes, very good. Yeah, my dad was here, which was good. We um, got pizza and played Mario Kart. So that was good. I I was working on my birthday, but other than that, it was all it was all good. Excellent, excellent. I don't know. It's been good. Another year older. I'm old old enough now that I think I can I can say you know. There's all these t- Twitter's collapsing, right? And there's there's all these kind of new alternatives to it. I think uh, now that I've hit this age, I can say I'm not interested in any of them. I can't be bothered. <laughs> you, you have you joined Threads? Are you a Threader? Is that the word? Threads Threads is not open to Android users at this moment in time. Oh, you're an Android so I'm user. Not on there. Equally, I'm not sure if I will join until they sort out a few things. Welcome to the Twitter alternative podcast, everybody, because now we're going to talk about it. Because you're um, you're a prolific tweeter, I would say. I tweet all compared the time, to right? me anyway, which is <laughs> I, I don't tweet anymore. I used to in the early days. I was tweeting all the time, and now I can't be bothered. I I tweet quite a lot. I I, I tweet pictures of my cat mainly, and then I tweet things making fun of people that I don't like, which is probably not the best way to use Twitter. But it's what Twitter's like. <laughs> That's what everyone uh, does. Though. <laughs> It's the only place where you can hold horrible famous people to account for their awful actions. Um, nowhere else does it have the ability to say to um, fa- failed comedians from the UK who are going on the alt-right grift that they're bald. Yeah. That's it's the only place where you can do it. Exactly. How's that going to work on threads? <laughs> well, let's talk about why threads sucks. Um, Not the film. Moment. Which Not the good. film, nor the fantastic Portishead song. It's the final song on Portishead's third, uh, which is their best album. Sorry, people who like early Portishead, but their best album is their last album, the really abrasive industrially one that everyone hated and found too uncomfortable to listen to. It's the best one. That sounds and like they I, made it just for you. They literally <laughs> did make it just for me. I listened to it and was just like, oh my God, it's the perfect Portishead album for me. Um, and the final song on that is called Threads. And that is an amazing song, one of Portishead's best songs. Um, but the app Threads from Meta 
I still don't like calling them meta. They're Facebook. It's just silly, isn't it? They're Facebook to me. Yeah. Um, also, the metaverse is silly as well. Well, the metaverse they've, is they've dying. They've stopped investing it? in it. Yeah. <laughs> they've changed their whole company to, to be called meta because of the metaverse, which is a silly PlayStation 2 open world rubbish stupid game. It's the <laughs> Sims. It, yeah. In a way, it's a kind of good meta name for their failures that they've called themselves meta. <laughs> <laughs> That that wasn't quite my Keir Starmer voice. It was a slightly. Who's that? That's that's more like someone talking about Keir Starmer, isn't it? Like a, <laughs> it's, someone it's, on a show. It's someone on Have I One of those nerd shows. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it? Um, speaking of Keir Starmer, did you see him completely fluffing it this week? No, because I knew that I knew that there was like stuff coming up, and I knew that that was what was going to happen. So I played Final Fantasy VIII instead. <laughs> Vastly superior. Um, Final yeah. Fantasy VIII is not going to play itself. And nor is Blasphemous, which is awesome, by the way. Oh, good. It's I'm like, glad. I heard really good things birthday. about it. It's extremely difficult, like punishing from literally the word go, which I love. Give me more. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard that it's kind of the equivalent of a like Dark Soulsy vibe, but for 2D Metroidvanias. Whereas maybe this is going to be a controversial statement to the 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 dozens of video game fans who I'm sure listen to this podcast but the dark souls games are basically castlevania games but hardened in 3D that's what they are the structure of them is metroidvania esque because it's all about yeah, creating yeah. these loops within the game world to fast shortcuts to get to the next area so though it doesn't have the metroidvania item gathering to gain your tools like for instance super metroid is a key example of that um it's a similar kind of structure and that that's how i see lots of people call them souls likes it's like yeah, really yeah. they're kind of like 3d metroidvanias is essentially what they are but just very very difficult yeah uh, people often say that it's souls like if it's just like punishingly difficult yeah and that's not true which is <laughs> there's lots very of different, silly there's lots like, of different things to bear it there's loads of difficult games they're not all souls likes if they're hard but blasphemous has the same kind of aesthetic as dark souls as well yeah so it kind of it kind of tracks for there it's got god um, stuff as well which you know i love a bit of that as well. oh yeah B- big old spooky gods that's what yeah. it's all about um, yeah, Keir Starmer got very grumpy because a couple of young people dared to protest about Labour Party's failures with green initiatives in the crime, climate crisis. Um, it was very, very funny. It, it almost was Jeb Bush-esque when he was right. saying, thank you to people. That's the my Keir Starmer voice. Please clap. Please clap. I'm Keir Starmer. <laughs> Uh, it's all just very bad, isn't it? The best thing was that people asked, some of the people asked, whose side are you on? And he said, I'm on the side of economic growth. I'm like, yeah. fuck off, mate. That's so boring. <laughs> what about what about other things? Economic growth to what, to what extent? What does that mean? Does that mean economic growth to, to better people's lives? To- that means I'm trying to signal that we can beat the Tories at their own game to the swing voters in wherever they think they're going to get the votes, but they're not, is, is what that means. It doesn't mean anything. Economic growth means literally nothing. Economic growth should only be there for a purpose. What's the purpose of that economic growth? Are you going to use it to make people's lives better, or are you not? What you should have said was, I'm on the side of dogs. Oh, good boys. <laughs> Next question. I'm on the side of animals in general because if I say dogs, it will come across as too divisive to our focus groups. Oh yeah, that's true. The cat people will be up in arms. 
Suddenly the protesters are, the protesters are coming. <laughs> when I was growing up in my pebble dash semi, did you happen to know that my father was a toolmaker and my mother was a nurse? Because I never mention it ever. My name's Keir Starmer. Son of a son of a toolmaker. Keir, son of a toolmaker Starmer. Um and we had all the animals. It was a veritable ace ventura in my house. <laughs> I was a young pet detective. <laughs> I was a young pet detective in <laughs> my pebble dash pet detective. Oh, God. <laughs> Listen, we're about to do Animal Month, aren't we? That's the we thing. are. I was struggling yeah, to remember. That's what we, that's what we were going to do next. You'd forgotten, forgotten, hadn't you? I'd forgotten, yeah. Because <laughs> I was trying to remember earlier today, it was like, we've done, we've done all our volcano films. Like we've let volcano months spill over into the next month because I was busy and stuff was happening and whatever. Much like what lava spews out of the top of a volcano and sort of dribbles down the side. That's how, that's how our podcasting schedule looks now. <laughs> so apologies to those of you who w- were really looking forward to Animal Month. It's going to start a week later. It but is. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. Um, one more volcano to do. Volcano. We do, and I'm, I'm not going to let you smoothly segue in because I've realised I've not <laughs> talked about threads yet. Threads sucks because oh, yes. a there's no chronological um, option. It's you just can't by choose algorithm. to see how see see the stuff from people you follow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so it's all done by algorithm. So it's not chronologically based. It's also not based on who you follow. So you're not just going to see the people you follow, but instead what what Threads wants you to see. And there is... Which is always awful. Which is <laughs> it's always awful. It's always influencer-based or brand-based nonsense. Um, and also there is zero accessibility on Threads right now. They haven't even got alt text in place, which... Oh, for- is how could it, you launch a website without that in this and, day and, and age? And that's unacceptable for a startup, let alone Facebook doing it. But is, isn't that illegal as well? Isn't the like you <sighs> know the web be, web accessibility standards? Well, and, w- yeah, WCAG isn't depends, a legal yeah. body, so you can't. Right. Well, welcome to the WCAG cast, everybody. <laughs> it's like Wiccan, you know, Wiccan. Yeah. But better. Yeah, so so WCAG isn't like a legal thing. It's it's a recommended requirements, and if you meet them, then then you can say that you're WCAG compliant and to what level you're WCAG compliant. Yeah. Um. But really, it should fall under the Equality Act under reasonable adjustments for disabled people. But as we all know, the the Equality Act is never really applied <laughs> in. In, in reality, it exists and then no one abides by it, particularly the elements around disability where people are just like, eh, disabled people will manage. Like, like, like now that they're going to close down all of the ticket offices in England in train That's stations. Right, yeah. And it's like, well, disabled people, A, won't be able to get the discounts that can be provided, like the 50% discount for wheelchair users, for instance. B, won't have a, a place to go to ask questions or get support as well. We'll find ChatGPT can do it. And and C, if the ticket machines are broken, a, a the ticket machines aren't accept aren't accessible anyway. The vast majority of them, and B if they're broken, they have no way to get tickets. And the the answer to that has been, oh well, you can buy your tickets online. So I don't know why Keir Starmer's now working for the the, the rail companies or for the government. Um, He'd never can- do that, would he? He'd never commit to actually like doing anything with the railways, would he? <laughs> oh, it's, it's not a priority at this time. That's 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 you can quote that and you can put that over any Keir Starmer speech and it will fit in. Somewhere. It's not a priority it's at not this a time when you go down the station, time. go to buy a ticket, and the machine literally punches you in the face and steals your money. 
that's what happens. <laughs> and, and what they've said instead, what the rail companies have said instead is, um, oh, well, you can buy your tickets online or you can buy them using an app. Uh, a, the app one doesn't work for a lot of places in terms of rail travel. Um, B, equally, we know that disabled people are less likely to have internet access and less likely to have smartphone access than the general population. So that's also not going to help with them. Um, C, what about blind people or partially sighted people who then have to try and navigate these apps and get through the barriers Yeah, yeah. without there being a ticket office where there's definitely going to be someone there to support? So, so that, for instance, every single aspect of that should fail the Equality Act and they should be liable under the Equality Act for those failures. But we know that it's not going to come to that because no one properly applies the Equality Act. So when it comes to something like threads, not a chance in hell even though it should probably not comply with the Americans of Disabilities Act, which is the um, the American legislation. And there's um, an EU or, thing as well, isn't there? Or, and there's an EU thing as well. And then we've got the Equality Act 2010. So it should fail all of those, but it, no one's going to bother. Um, so, because Zuckerberg's too big. So threads, big threads, can, threads can piss off for now, for as far as I'm concerned. Until they sort those things out, I have zero interest. I might, when they open it for Android, I might just go and plant my flag to get my username and then that'll be it although i think they you can't choose a username of someone who's not who's already got that name on instagram anyway yeah yeah it's linked to your instagram account so i mean who i might not even bother doing that um anyway (laughs) all of it's bad all you should do is not not so no social media just watch action films join films (laughs) Join, yeah. join our Twitter alternative, which is listening to our podcast and joining in with our volcano, romantic, and animal movies. There's this new thing called podcasts. Have you heard about it? <laughs> you heard, it's like it's like radio on demand, I heard. Yeah. It's lo- <laughs> long-form content. Where instead of looking at, like, your 600 tweets a day, there's no limit to the number of hours you can listen to us talking absolute bollocks, is there? <laughs> I mean, think of all of the hours of content that you get. Content. We have content creators. Content. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, think of all of the hours of, of, of wonderful amusement that we've created over the years. God knows how many hours, how many minutes have been created. No, I'd have to add it up. Because we average about an hour each time. We're nearly yeah, up to 300 yeah. episodes. So it's probably about 300 hours. That's good. It is, yeah, incredible. Truly incredible. But what also what was incredible was this week's movie. Yes. Ashfall. Ashfall. Now we can get into it. <laughs> so what is Ashfall then, Paddy? Tell me about Ashfall. It's when Ash from Pokemon falls over. <laughs> he wants to be the very best, but he falls over too much. Yeah. I want to be the very best. That's exactly. it. That's what happened. No, it's a 2019 Korean action film, I'm going to say. Rather than it's it's a disaster film in a way because it has the volcano disaster, but it mostly revolves around sort of shooty action and guys sassing each other and stuff. And yeah, it's good. <laughs> there is so much sass in this movie; it's amazing. Um, so we discovered bit. this at the it was, at the end of last episode. We were discussing which volcano film we were going to finish on, and you you were like, "Oh, there's this documentary that's critically acclaimed," and I was like, "Yeah, boring." <laughs> and so you went and looked up and found something else, and I'm very glad you did because I really enjoyed it. This movie's amazing. Why have more people not seen it? This yeah. is genuinely fantastic. You shouldn't um, have to Google volcano movies to find this film. It's so good. I mean, the the thing that I 
because because when you think about korean movies that become popular worldwide um you know you think of things like have you seen train to busan for instance no i have not oh, one of the best zombie movies ever made really great i do not believe um, i've seen much korean cinema and i and korea makes some really great films and every so often they break through to international audiences and like i just don't understand why this one hasn't because this is amazing this is so, this is one of the best disaster movies i think i've ever seen it's yeah. so good it's really really good on kind of multiple levels as well and at first i wasn't sure it's because it's quite long as well so it's yeah. at, at points yeah. you think like it feels like it's about to be over but there's still an hour left but like it's <laughs> so that's perhaps my only criticism is the pacing but but then suddenly something happens and you're like okay these guys are delivering some more sassy lines and he's going don't you dare call him an owl <laughs> or something and you're like okay i'm hooked it's it's really great um i guess from a plot perspective um there is a volcano um and the volcano is erupting it's at Paiktu Mountain, which is on the China to North Korea border. And what's happening is that actually there's several magma deposits in this volcano that are steadily going to erupt like a chain reaction, like a bomb. Um, and so they've realised we've got to do something about this or the Korean peninsula in its entirety is going to get volcanoed. Yeah. So the plan they come up with, talking to a grumpy scientist who was one of my favourite characters in the movie, actually. Professor Kang loved him. Um, is they're going to get a nuclear bomb and they're going to blow it up next to the volcano underground by one of the magna, magma deposits and that's going to stop the eruption. That's just going to fix everything. By diffusing the pressure or something like that. Something like that. And you're like, this is probably the same level as, as the science stuff in Dante's Peak or Volcano, right? But they don't I'm spend sure as much time Dante's, on it. I'm not sure about Dante's Peak. Dante's Peak seemed relatively accurate, but certainly on par with Volcano. Yeah, but in Volcano, there was a lot more science talk, wasn't it? It felt like every five minutes, Tommy Lee Jones was going, you, science woman, tell me tell me the science. <laughs> science woman, give me the context behind this so I can then shout at some people to build another trench. But this is this is in Korea, so they've, they've, they've then just used that as an excuse to turn it into something about North Korea having nuclear weapons, don't they? Which is great. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> what they found is that they, for some reason, they... I don't know whether whether South Korea doesn't have any nuclear weapons or maybe they're not available because of the eruption. Uh, so what they've got to do is send in a special forces team to go and get the nuclear bombs from North Korea, the secret North Korean nukes, and then go and blow one up on the North Korea-China border. And they've also been supposedly denuclearizing. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, they've been denuclearizing. Um, so what they do is they pull together this amazing special forces team, including our main man, Mr. Bomb Man. Um, I don't remember any character names in this. Captain Cho. Professor Kang. R- yes. Yeah, that's right. Captain Cho. And he's like the diffuser man. And he's the person who we're introduced to first in the movie where he's diffusing a bomb. And he's, he's, the, he's, he's kind of a bumbling but uh, really earnest character, isn't he? Yeah, he's like he's he's your everyman. If they remade this, he'd be played by Chris Pratt, and he'd go, "Well, that just happened just, when the volcano erupts. Just blew up the nuclear bomb. That just happened." 
Um, and yeah, so he's this kind of bumbling everyman character, and he's got this gang of other like bomb defusal people essentially and they're going to go in along with these elite special forces guys who are the bang bang shooties and then they're going to do the bomb stuff whilst the bang bang shooty people go and collect this double agent who's been in a north korean prison and then um work out the best course of action to go and collect the bombs so that the bomb guys can do the bomb stuff but what happens is all of the elite special forces guys get yeeted because they're flying a plane in the middle of a volcanic eruption and the ash gets in or something and their plane goes down and they're all dead. It does have a lot of ash falling, doesn't it? And the at least yeah, in the early it lives part up the to film. the name. There is an awful lot of ash fall. Does what it um, says on the tin. So then it's up to the ragtag bunch of misfits who are the bomb defusal guys to save the day. Um, so they've got to go and collect this double agent um, who is amazing. We he's love the best the double character, agent. Sure. He's the whole the film hangs he's off his so character. Good. It's the kind of chaotic okay, yeah, when this when this gets the horrible inevitable um remake, American remake directed by Michael Bay, um, we'll have Chris Pratt as bumbling captain. He'll still be Captain Joe, but it will be spent spelt J O E. Is it gonna be is it they're gonna transplant it to the US and pretend there's like a volcano on the border with Canada or something and make it about that? <laughs> or maybe it's gonna be the Alaska to Russia. Oh yeah. And maybe yeah. they'll do it that way. They'd love to have a dig at the Russians, wouldn't they? Yeah, and maybe it's a secret agent in Russia, a bit like the the last series of um Oh Stranger Things. Of Stranger Things. We'll do something similar to that. Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe it'll be a, be Mexico and it's someone who's in a Mexican prison or something, which will lack the same political status, but a similar kind of having to do a clandestine operation in a foreign country. Something like that. Yeah. But the double agent would be played by Nicolas Cage, is what I'm saying. <laughs> of course. I genuinely would love that. Actually. This guy has big Nick Cage energy, just that chaotic factor where you never know quite what he's going to do next. And he'd be good. He'd be a good person to be opposite Christopher Pratt in that role, wouldn't he? Because he, he really would. like just spends the whole time ribbing this guy and being like really, really powerful. Even though the guy's got a gun in his face, he's just like, "You're never going to shoot me, are you?" <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see Nicolas Cage do that to Chris Pratt. And he's an amazing character. So he he immediately <laughs> steals the map that they're desperately needing to use to work out where to plant the bombs. Um, immediately escapes by beating up one of the other characters who's in the who's, who's one of the other bomb defusal guys and then goes and sets up a meeting with chinese gangsters where he's going to give them a nuclear bomb and he's got this own plan in his head where he's going to get the nuke he's going to give it to these chinese gangsters and get out and then rescue his daughter and his whole thing is that he's got this daughter who he's estranged from who he wants to come and yeah come and rescue and captain cho's wife is pregnant as well that's the important thing that you need yes, to know at the top yeah. of the film and he's always late He's always late to everything. She always says, don't be late. And he's late. Yes, he's, he's always late to everything. Which, again, is a kind of similar thing that you'd see in... Um, like like in Jingle All The Way, for instance. Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> always late and is a bad, bad husband and dad. It's a similar kind of... It's got that kind of repetition of, of this character trait. Put that nuclear um, warhead down. <laughs> it's nuclear time. <laughs> um so so yeah so it's 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 that kind of thing and it's that kind of movie is this really does feel like it does feel like a michael bay movie it's got that kind of con air style vibe going on but maybe a little bit more humorous there's a lot of 
backtalk and comedy in this, particularly between the double agent and our honourable Captain Bumbleman. That's that's exactly it. I, I think saying that it's like a Michael Bay film is doing it a disservice because Michael Bay's films are actually quite po-faced generally, aren't they? And they often have things that are supposed to be funny but aren't. Whereas this film, I think, is is genuinely quite funny, but in a way that works. Because sometimes you can end up just completely taking the sting out of any of the action and making it all feel silly. So the action was all still action. The the comedy was in the dialogue. So that, that really, really worked as a bit that was kind of brought levity to the seriousness of the, the context of nuclear warheads and bombs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, Michael Bay's films, you're right about that. They used to really have that good blend of comedy and action. When you look at Michael Bay back when he used to make good films, he used to blend it well. And then that has very much disappeared now. Um, but this really gets it right. Michael and it's, Bay. Oh, that's what Michael Bay looks like. Have it's you like, never seen, no, I've never seen Michael Bay? Picture of Michael Bay. Just looked it up. What did you expect him to look like? I don't know. I expected him to look more like a sort of meathead guy. I don't know. No, you he's know, got big, these big feathery hair. Yeah. Yeah, no, Michael, Michael... Yeah, when you look at Michael Bay at his peak, he did make some amazing movies. Transformers, Dark of the Moon, you're talking about. <laughs> Obviously the highlight of his entire career. No, when you think about, um, uh, like, uh, Bad Boys, for instance, The Rock... Armageddon is a lot of fun. Don't want to close my eyes. Pearl Harbor is shit. <laughs> Pearl Harbor is some of those dour bollocks I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but, and maybe that's the turning point was Pearl Harbor. Although I suppose, no, he did make Bad Boys 2 after that, which is as good as Hot Fuzz. I've never seen either of those. Unless you're cue to go, you ain't never seen Bad Boys 2. <laughs> you ain't never seen... <laughs> And then was he the producer on Conair? He was something to do with Conair, wasn't Maybe he? Maybe he was just there. <laughs> it was just on the ship, uh, on the on the plane. Um, but yeah, he he used to he that used to sort of concee concee concee. Have you have you ever seen Speed Two? Um, no, I have not. I've seen Speed One, the Sp- bus that couldn't slow down. Speed Two, cruise control. <laughs> It's called Speed Two Cruise that is Control. Such a silly because it's on a cruise ship. Oh, is it? It's not just that, like the cruise control yeah. is stuck on a car. <laughs> no, no, they're on a cruise ship, so they've made a pun, and the cruise ship can't slow down. Um, they did not get um, they did not get Keanu Reeves back, but they did get Sandra Bullock back, um, and they replaced Keanu Reeves as action hero with Jason Patrick, who bless him. Is good in lots of things, not great in Speed 2. <laughs> However, we do have one amazing character in Speed 2 who's introduced. Uh, Willem Dafoe oh, is the villain. Oh, the main man. And I seem to remember that he is wacky as anything. And, like, he keeps putting leeches on his arms. <laughs> That's the thing that I remember of his character is he's a zany <laughs> fellow and he keeps putting putting leeches on his arms. It's, uh Yeah. Um, Speed 2 is not quite as bad as people make it out to be but it is not hey, if it's got Willem Dafoe like, <laughs> I don't know if he's ever made a genuinely bad film although I haven't seen uh, excuse I haven't me. seen the one with the fox obviously by my least favourite director <laughs> exactly, of all time exactly second, what I was going to bring up second least favourite director it's, of all time who's your least favourite director are we thinking Tarantino, Tarantino? I, was, I was wondering because yeah, there's a few yeah, people who yeah. you hate 
Yeah, no, I, I, I hate Tarantino more because he's like more mainstream and more beloved. Like Lars von Trier is still a bit of an outlier, but I still really despise his work. What's your favourite Defoe? Oh, well, obviously the Green Goblin. Like, <laughs> it's just, that is just an iconic performance. That's true. It is really good. Out am I? Out am I? <laughs> um, I but he is just a, an amazing actor. I really, I really like, and this is going to make me sound like a soy boy beta cuck, um, I really love the Grand Budapest Hotel. That's a great film. Which yeah. is by far my favourite Wes Anderson. I like... Have we talked about that? I don't know if we have, actually. I don't know if we have. We probably we should. should. We should. No, we could it. do a Wes Anderson well. series where we talk about a few of them. That would be good. Apparently his new one is not Is good. it not? Asteroid City. That's the one, yeah. I think he's lost his way More a little like bit. More like Asteroid but... City, am I right? <laughs> That's how he should have spelled it. <laughs> yeah. But he'd never make a joke like that because he's got no sense of humour. Um... I think I think I've said this before. I think Wes Anderson should make a horror movie and take all of those weird, quirky sort of decisions that he puts into his movies and all of the stop motion stuff that he does, and then make a horror movie with that kind of visual aesthetic. And I think it would be really cool. So he should do that. That's what he should do next. He should get his mojo back by making a horror film. Yeah, I think yeah. more big directors should make horror movies with their sort of directorial flourishes. It, it seems as though horror movies only go in one direction, which is a young horror movie creator then makes big budget movies in other genres. It never seems to go the other way. Hmm, that's a good point. I wonder, there, there must be, well, you'll know this and I won't, but I want, there must be examples of people who've done that and it's failed then. Yeah, maybe, or maybe they just, because horror movies often, apart from if you're one of those random hits, they don't pull in the big bucks. Yeah. Horror movies are often cheap to make, therefore easy to make a profit on. It's seen as cheap schlock, isn't it? Yeah, and so I think a lot of uh, auteur directors are sort of going, oh, I wouldn't make a horror movie. But there's that example of, what's the Harrison Ford one? um, Where he's... What Lies Beneath. What Lies Beneath, yeah. Which which we did, yeah. And that was a a big director, wasn't it? That was Robert Zemeckis. Yes, yeah. Pre-PlayStation 2 days. Pre-PlayStation 2 days with a great movie... So I think more people should do that, not make horrible PS2. Yeah. <laughs> PS2, I'll slay your monsters. Um, I totally forgotten about that. But instead... I'll slay your monster. I'll slay your monster. And that is a reference to Beowulf, by the way, if anyone yeah. doesn't, doesn't. I'll put the link to our, um, our episode on that. But I think, I think more directors should do that. Like Quentin Tarantino should make a horror movie. Wes, Wes Anderson should make a horror movie. Michael Bay should make a horror movie. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Paul W.S. Anderson made a horror movie and it was amazing. Which one was that? Resident Evil? Um, well, I suppose Resident Evil is kind of a horror movie, but I think of it more as an action film. Um, but he made Event Horizon, one of my favourite films of all time. No, I've never seen that. It's like a haunted house movie in space. Um the, it, there's this uh, this uh, experimental spaceship that creates like a, wor- a wormhole to do faster than light travel. And it disappeared seven years ago when it did it for its first test run. And then it suddenly reappears those seven years later. And so there's this expedition team that goes to find out what happened. And it's basically like a haunted house movie, but on a spaceship. All right. Well, here's your example. Jan de Bont. He did Speed, Speed 2, Twister, and then The Haunting. 
Oh, the haunting, which was great. Which is, yeah, terrible. In a, in a way. <laughs> it's great in its own way. But that was kind of seen as supposed to be like a big blockbuster at the time and was kind of a flop, wasn't it? We should talk about that at some point. We should. I mean, it did well, though. It got back over $100 million on its budget. Yeah, that's true. It was it wasn't a it wasn't a critical success, but I mean, was it meant to be? Well, I think they all hoped it would be. <laughs> but but it made a lot of money. Yeah, and then his next directorial out, outing after that is Lara Croft Tomb Raider: The Cradle of Life. Oh, he didn't even do the first Lara Croft Tomb Raider. No. But he did produce Minority Report and Equilibrium. Oh, how about that? Um, anyway, um, back to Ashfall. Yeah. Um, it's good. I like this film. I really, really enjoyed it. And I didn't expect to, necessarily. I, th- I, I expected to be whelmed, but I was I was overwhelmed. It washed over me like lava. This film was great. I would 100% watch it again. Um, th- there's just so many fun things that happen, so many fun set pieces. So it goes from... You know, uh, the the North Korean prison collecting him, going and then going to get the the nuclear bombs. You've got the shootout with the U.S. special forces who are there for some reason because they're desperate to allow this this volcano to erupt. Um, through to then, you know, uh, finding finding the double agent's daughter through to then planting the bombs at the end. There's so many great little set pieces along the way. Um, And and like great action moments, like the sort of car fight scene where they end up going down the hill and almost getting hit with a big tree trunk and that kind of thing. There's all of these brilliant action moments in this movie I'm just astounded that this didn't break through to the mainstream worldwide because this is such a fun film. Maybe it probably isn't a COVID thing, is it? Because this came out in 2019 in um, in Korea, and then uh, it did come out so... in December 2019. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So, oh, well, you know yeah. what also came out in December 2019? Cats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It just couldn't compete with that. Couldn't compete with cats. But yeah, I wonder maybe that that might be something to do with it. That it came out then, and then it kind of dissipated in the middle of everything else. But it's just a shame because this this is fantastic. Yeah, really, really good. It's and, it's got yeah. action. It's got funny, you know, funny lines. The the characterization is really good. Is the other yeah. thing. It's really, yeah. really. It's quite deep actually without being overly serious either like the whole thing yeah with him having his pregnant wife and him always being late and you wanting him to get back it doesn't feel as cheap as western action films often feel and i think they really really got that right yeah it's not overly schmaltzy with it even though it could easily have been it's not tommy lee jones every five minutes going who's got my daughter where's my daughter i'm in los (laughs) angeles where's my daughter (laughs) I'm inevitably going to have to save her from a burning building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It manages, a, it manages a kind of earnestness with it, I suppose, which is why it comes across so well. Um, and the other thing is that actually 
this is a very silly movie but it does put these little snippets of almost sort of like political commentary in there here and there as well and does so in an effective way there's loads of dialogue about how things are different in south korea and north korea for instance but it's handled in quite a light-hearted way yeah, rather than yeah. It becoming overbearing um and then you've also got things about sort of american interventionism as well you've got the whole element of our professor character who has a, a ticket out of korea because of he's an um, american citizen he's an american citizen and there's that whole element in there about what it means to be korean as well and then at the end you see him coming back and he's like i think i, I think i like this country i'm gonna stay here now yes yeah and and so there's all of these different strands going through it um that's really it's really interesting so it's quite interesting to watch as well it's not just the schlocky hokum um chris pratt has a pregnant wife and he's always late thing it is actually there is actually some depth here and there's enough things to keep your brain ticking over whilst everything explodes and things do explode (laughs) there's a lot of explosions and all the the action stuff i think is done really really well there wasn't anything that was as silly as in the last one what was it called skyfire where like every 10 seconds someone was jumping off a bridge for no reason going (laughs) (laughs) no it felt it felt more real than that didn't it yeah yeah but they didn't focus on the threat of the volcano really did they they no. focused more on the the threat of yeah, the double agent and the, the North Korean guys coming to stop them from getting to their nuclear warheads and stuff. And then the Chinese guys as well. And then the American military are there as well, being G.I. Joe tough guys. Yes, yeah, absolutely. The, the, the volcano element comes in with the pregnant wife, where then that's where things are exploding because of the volcano and there's tidal waves and everything like that so that's where that threat comes in but actually our main story is very much more of an action film in a more traditional sense yeah and also about captain cho having to you know believe in himself and stuff and then what i think really happens is it becomes a bromance between him and the double agent guy doesn't it? absolutely yeah it really does become a bromance It's, it's almost like it's not quite a buddy cop movie but it's basically there there's a bit more threat between them than you'd get in a sort of disgruntled partner buddy cop thing but it's a similar kind of dynamic and then of of course they grow to respect one another over the course of the film and everything like that and then at the end he sacrifices himself the double agent guy he gets shot when he when the guys come to take the warhead and then he's like i'll take it down into the tunnel with me and die with it and then he's like, no, no, don't go. You're my friend. And he's like, he repeats whatever the line was that he said to him. You never look back because the past is behind you. Something that's profound, but that I've also forgotten whatever yes, it was that he yeah. said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it, it works really well. It has that emotional impact when he does the noble sacrifice. And he's like, cry- he's properly like crying, isn't he? It becomes yeah. like a massively overblown, ridiculous emotional moment, and somehow it doesn't feel cheap, which I think is a real achievement. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, um, and and that's a kind of again, you know, I don't want it to sound like a lazy comparison when I talk about things like Train to Busan, but that's got a similar kind of, um, it's got a similar kind of atmosphere to it, where it has all of these big emotional moments in it, and it it has that authenticity and you feel that impact and that emotion and again what is actually a very very exciting film and very 
powerful film from a sort of action movie perspective, but it still has that emotional heart to it. Um, if you've not seen Train to Busan, Paddy, I highly recommend it. It's so good. Yeah, I have to check really, it out. Really, really good. Is it relatively recent? When was it, when uh, was it made? 2016 it was made. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, highly recommend it. And anyone who's listening who's not seen it, watch it. Even if you're not a fan of horror movies, it's really good from like an action movie perspective. Um, it's it's brilliant. And in fact, um, yes, that's I, I looked this up actually, and it's where I recognised our um, our professor man from. Our professor man is also in right. Ma Dong Siok. Oh yeah, um, here we go. Breakout performance in Train to Busan. There you go. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's a it's a great film. Highly recommend it. And equally, if you've watched Train to Busan. And you enjoyed it. Watch Ashfall. He's also the president of the Korea Arm Wrestling Federation. In reality. In reality, yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh man, that's brilliant. Um, <laughs> that's that's fantastic. Yeah, no. Uh, watch watch this movie. It's it's really good. Uh, have you got anything else you want to say say about it? I know this has been a really all over the place episode, but yeah, well that's that's okay. No, just that I really liked that there was a minecart in it because I always love oh, a minecart. Yeah. And that also Children in Peril. How did it do on Children in Peril? In your opinion, it was good. Children in Peril. The children weren't irritating. One of them was not a born child, so there was also that element. Yeah, you can't. You can't really. You can't really. It's not really fair to, to assess them. And is it fair no, to exactly. come out of the womb yet? It's hilarious that as soon as the volcano starts erupting, she's like, "I need. I need to have the baby now, very early." Um and and yeah, and then you you have a the the daughter in peril um, as well. It's it's good. Is they're not irritating like they are in um, in volcano, where the no. kids are incredibly irritating. Or in, um, in Dante's Peak, where they, they let the granny die. But you, you thought she deserved it. <laughs> the granny did deserve it. No one in this movie deserved to die. That's the question. The other question I was going to ask you, who deserved to die in this movie? Well, apart from the like Chinese gangsters, I guess. Yeah. Because they were wrong-uns. But no one, no one else deserved to die in this film. It was very the president was a bit was. feeble, wasn't he? He was a bit of a weak guy. He started off really like full of gusto and gumption and you're like yeah president you do it and then as talking soon as about America... his very low approval ratings on which he got elected <laughs> yeah and then um and then uh as soon as the americans turned up he was like well that's over then they've told us not to do it so we better not do it and i'm just like mate come on yeah you're gonna listen to what america says all the time but that that I, but as someone who you know doesn't have much knowledge of korean politics it all made sense to me yeah um, yeah, but yeah, nobody nobody deserved to die in this film. I thought it, it was kind of sad when people died, and you're like, oh, they died. That's a shame because they're they're all good characters in their own way. There weren't any dogs. There were no dogs. Actually, that's true. No, and again, it has a very very cheesy ending sequence. Sort of a year later, doesn't it? Captain Cho and his wife they've had the baby, um, and they've adopted um, double agent man's daughter because obviously he died down the mine shaft. Um, and they're all a happy family in their dinner together, and it should feel cheesy and cheap, but actually, it's nice. It is. It's really nice. It's it's a lovely ending. Um, yeah. No. It, it's and that's the thing is the this movie feels so earnest that it can get away with moments like that, can't it? Yeah. 
but it's also yeah it, it balances earnestness and silliness in a really really good way and yeah, that's a gift that's a gift isn't it absolutely um yeah so i like it this movie gets a good rating from me yeah how we get how are we gonna rate this um how many times have you been called an owl by a double agent <laughs> well that you're rescuing from a prison lots of times 17 times of a possible 20 going, <laughs> just like over and over they don't make any owl noises in the film do they Fair no sure. no he just gets called an owl um, i can't even yeah, remember gonna... why he calls him an owl but <laughs> i can't remember funny. either but it sticks doesn't it um i'm gonna match you on that 17 it's, this movie's great you should watch it yeah if you haven't it seen it check it out it's so good if you want action and you want fun and you want sassy lines, yeah, this is a perfect like kind of weekend action film, isn't it? Yeah, get on it. Get on it. It's brilliant. Very good. Well, so Animal Month. What? what how are we going to do this? Did we decide on... There's, de- there's definitely one, obviously, that I've been threatening you with for a long time. But I don't know. Did we decide on four films or were we just going to kind of play it by ear? I can't remember now. I'll have to go back and listen. So, shall we start with the one that you were going to threaten me with? Yeah, you know what it is. I can't remember. You're going to have to. It's Dunstan me. checks in. That's right. <laughs> Dunstan checks in, <laughs> which I think is a, a very fitting one to kick off Animal <laughs> Month. We went to the zoo last weekend as well, so yeah, still very very fitting. It was the kids' for. Oh no, Eric had been to the zoo when he was two. We went to Whipsnade Zoo, but no, we went to London Zoo last weekend. Yeah, it was it was brilliant. He loved and it. Did he have a good time? Yeah, absolutely loved it. His favourites were the turtles and the butterflies. Excellent, excellent choices. But they they got some good stuff there. But the otters weren't really on it, and the otters are my favourite. Oh, there they... was only one, just sort of sleeping in the. Was corner. it a bit too hot for the otters? Were they not? Probably, not yeah. But couldn't even see them. They weren't. Didn't even see them like lying down. They were all hiding. Ah, uh, so that was difficult. a bit of a shame. It's difficult. So, yeah, Animal Month. Kicking awesome. off with Dunstan Checks In. <laughs> the Cannot 90s wait. classic. Cannot wait. This is going to be great, I'm sure. Good times. Starring well, our man Jason Alexander. Yeah. <laughs> well, between now and then, we hope you watch Ashfall. It's really, really good. We really enjoyed it. And we hope you've enjoyed Volcano Month. If you've never seen a film about a volcano, you now have four recommendations. There's no excuse. Yeah, get on all of these movies. And also, you should probably watch, what was it called? Fire of Love? That's the one, yeah. I haven't seen it. Really you, have you seen it? <laughs> no, I haven't had time to watch it. But it is on my to-watch list, and apparently it is amazing. So do go and watch that if you want something highbrow alongside the rest of it. I have heard nothing but good things about that. Yeah, it's apparently great. Yeah, so go and watch that. Yeah, Enjoy all your volcano films. And come come back next month to join us for Animal Month. If you've got any suggestions for animal films, send them in. BigBoysDon'tCryPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter still until it implodes at BigBoysDon'tPod. On threads. Nah, I'm joking. We should have a threads. Big we we threads. should, but I can't be bothered. <laughs> more, tr- more trouble than it's worth. Just yeah. email us or send us a carrier pigeon or whatever. You know. yeah. get, but, get us on Bebo. Bebo, yeah. What was the other one? We Weebles stuff? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Find my page on newgrounds.com. Oh, newgrounds. That's where it's at. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, legit, you can email us and you can tweet us. So if you want to recommend any animal films, please do. Um, and we'll be back next week to talk about Dunstan Checks In. Alrighty, bye-bye. Bye.